Well, hey, everybody, it's Maylee Thomas, and it's time for another Texas Homegrown Music episode, and I've got a great artist for you today, singer-songwriter Silas Nello. And I um, I don't want to take too much time because we've got a lot of things to talk about, so I'm just going to start out by playing a song for you off my latest record called Lay Down Your Burden. For all you people out there that might be carrying some weight of things that, uh, that are dragging you down, let that stuff go. I want you to remember that we have control over what we allow to put us um, into that funk. And I I just want you to let it go. And uh, we'll just um, do it through this song. How about it? Lay down your burden and I'll be right back with Silas Nello. As I look upon the fallen leaves, see the way they shed their imperfections and the heaviness they've carried for so long. Let it go, lay down your burden, lay 
Well, here we are with Texas Homegrown Music and Silas Nello. And Silas is in California because he's a transplant from Texas to California. Dude, don't you know that you're back? You've got this backwards. I know. I, I always tend to kind of go, you know, the opposite against of where everyone else is. Yeah, very against the grain. So it's a, it's a lifestyle choice. <laughs> well, you're going to have to tell me all about it and what drove you out of Texas. So, um, but I'm going to tell you right now, because you were in Texas for so long, we're going to claim you no matter what. So you're just going to have to be, you know, just you're, you're going to have to be a, a stranger in a strange land out there. Oh, who is that? Oh, uh, this is uh, this is our dog Lucy. Yeah. Hi, Lucy. So, so if oh you hear a bark, God. if you hear a bark, that's uh. Well, I had to lock my dog out for all the all my listeners, and they already know that because of COVID, we went out of the studio and into my closet. So um, I'm not out of the closet yet, guys, but yeah. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I actually like it in here. Um, but I locked Mesa, which is my, my, um, Airedale out, out, but every once in a while she'll bark. So if you guys hear something in the background, it might be my dog and it might be Lucy. Hi, Lucy. Yeah. I know that my listeners can't see us, but, uh, they certainly know what's going on. So Silas, I did a little bit of, um, research on another artist that I had at my Texas music revolution. And that's how I came across your name. And I'm so interested in you because I really dig your style and I dig your music. So you're going to have to pretend like, I don't know anything about you at all, which I, 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 I know very little, but I'm getting ready to know a lot more. So I'm going to give you the platform and tell you to let us know who is Silas and what's up with this whole uh, music thing and why are you doing it? Oh man, that's a loaded question. Um, it's a loaded question. That's what so, I'm known for. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So I guess a little background. I grew up in um, Dangerfield, Texas. Uh, so it's about okay. two and a half hours east from Dallas area. I grew up in Dangerfield and I moved to Dallas uh, when I was 17 years old. Three days after graduation, I bounced out and I'm, I played, you know, I grew up playing in church and different things like that and started playing guitar when I was 12. So I, I played mostly as, as a guitar player in a bunch of bands, um, kind of popped around, you know, I went to Florida for a little while and I went to Kansas and I I, yeah, I just kind of played music my whole life, but I got sidetracked and was doing, you know, trying to pay the bills and got out of it for a little while in my early twenties. And, um, the Jenna Clark thing is where, this is where it all kind of comes full circle. I, I guess I was 25 and I'd sort of had it and I was ready to just like get cracking again. And I spent the last few years basically writing songs in my music room. I would work, you know, I would work in this restaurant from two to 10 30, 11 o'clock at night. And then I would go and I would take a bottle of wine in and I would write songs until three in the morning. And I would just kind of do that over and over and over. And then I found this open mic night and it was in deep Ellum. So I started packing a guitar in my car and some different changes of clothes. Cause I had to wear a suit and tie to work. And, uh, I drove right. down to, to this place and it was a place called um, drugstore cowboy. Um, and it was on, I think okay. it was main street down in deep Ellum and it's a place called drugstore cowboy. Right. And I walked in and it was probably 1130 at night and Jenna was up there and I was like, Hey, I was like, uh, you know, I'm Silas, nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. You know? And she's like, Oh cool. Do you want to play? There was like, I think there's like five people in there this time. And I was like, Oh, I, my guitar's in my car. I didn't, you know, I was like, I'm going to come back next week. I'm just like scoping it out. And she says, Oh, 
you can just use mine and just basically hands it to me. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, I was like, okay. So, um, I kind of owe, I owe her a little bit for the push because I was, I, I spent years playing guitar and I'd done, you know, a lot of music work, but I was very shy as a singer songwriter. I was like, you know, that was, I was not comfortable in that skin yet. And she just handed me her guitar and I got up and I played a couple of songs and it was, uh, it was like a handful of musicians there. Um, and it kind of sparked this whole thing that essentially led to her and I recording a single together. Uh, she ended up singing backups on my first record and I kind of just ran the Dallas music scene for the last few years. And then uh, pre COVID I was touring, I was going up to New York and playing, I was going to England and playing. I was just doing a lot of, you know, I was just kind of oh, running wow. all over. And um, yeah, so that's kind of where the, tell me about that I, England I, thing. England was great. Um, so I actually on a whim just got, it was 2019, it was January and I found a really cheap plane ticket for like $375 round trip nonstop from Dallas to London. Wow. And it was the, it was the week of Americana fest. Um, so I, so there's an Americana fest in Nashville and there's an Americana fest in London. And I, I don't know, somebody once had told me, I think your music would do really well in England. Oh, it's a good friend of mine. Uh, Josh back. He said, I think you do really well in England. Well, you know why? Um, because you're from Texas. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know that I'm sounds crazy. really crazy, but honestly, yeah, um, it's, it's really bizarre how people from the UK are so interested in people, um, musicians from Texas. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. It's funny. Cause they call it, they, they like to, they, they, they pinned me. Some of my friends out there, they were like, Oh yeah, he's a Texas blues artist. I'm like, I don't think I'm a blues artist, but okay. Like, you know, it's interesting to hear the differences what people think, but yeah, long story short, I, I basically, it was two weeks, I think two to three weeks before Americana Fest, I bought the ticket and I cold emailed, cold called, cold emailed like 60 different venues in London. And <clears throat> I booked two shows. Um, okay. So I attended the festival. I networked. Uh, I booked two shows. I made a bunch of contacts out there and played those shows. Met a good friend of mine, uh, Sammy Harrison, who performs under Rising Fever. And he's a fantastic singer-songwriter. Um, he's uh, he's in Brighton, uh, which is definitely a place worth checking out if you haven't been. If you go to London, it's like 45 minutes south. You just hop on the train. Anyways, right. him and I became friends because we played a gig at the Cavendish Arms. Had no idea who each other were. Played a gig there. I got invited to come back in six weeks for a girl I, I met, um, Kira Rafferty, to do an EP release. And then Daisy Shoots was playing that show. I called up Robert Cody Maxwell, who was my guitar player in Dallas, who had recently relocated to New York. And him and I booked tickets on the phone for six weeks out and then booked another tour out there. Um, so we went back and I think that was either March or April. I think it was March or April. We went back and we did another. So then I, I flew up to New York. We played some shows in New York and then we went to England, did a bunch of these runs out there. And then we did another one that fall that was a little more thought out. Um, and I just made some really good contacts out there. And the plan was to keep rolling it over in 2020 and then, you know, COVID and pandemic and uh, everything kind of hit. And I was actually supposed to go to Brighton and, and this month in August to play a festival, but it's been postponed due to COVID. So, um, but yeah, that's a little bit about the England thing. Totally, uh, totally just DIY independent ran, but you know, um, it's, it's a really no, great place to play. A lot of listening rooms out there. 
That speaks volumes about you, um, Silas, and how much you love, you know, wanting to get your music out there to take that leap and be at that adventurous to go over there and do that and to and to take your, um, you know, to take your career in your own hands like that and send out, you know, 60 different emails and and really, you know, make a go at trying to trying to get something going. I Kudos to you, Silas, because oh, thank you. <laughs> I don't think there's enough artists out there that really understand what it takes to um, to launch your career, and um, it's it's one thing in today's world. Uh, for me, you and I are in completely different genres as far as what we needed to do to get our music out. I grew up in a time when I played in church. Um, that's how I got started playing in church, and you know, it's kind of like. It's really not fair because most people loved to hear music at that time because they didn't want to have to hear the preaching. They didn't, they, they didn't want anything to keep from hearing the hellfire and brimstone preaching, right? And so I had a I had a pretty cool little gig going for several years when I was younger. And then in high school, if you didn't play for free for everything that was out there, you just didn't play because we didn't have this. We didn't have this um, social media kind of thing. I mean, it just it, it didn't yeah. happen. You were in your area and that was it. So kudos to you, yeah. though, for launching yourself yeah. into a way where you actually went to another market. And I can tell you just from all of the interviews that I've done and all the years of, of musicianship that I've gotten to know. The UK loves Texas musicians. And yes, you're right. A lot of them just automatically throw you into a blues category, which is not a bad thing. It's not, it's not like it's a no. thing, but I've listened to you your know, music. It's, it's, it's the harmonica. Not, That's what it is. They told me it's the harmonica. Is that what it is? They you said, pull out oh, the harmonica. The harmonica. They go, you play, you play the harmonica yeah. and blues. It's like you play the, you play the cross harp and it's blues. So it's like, all right. Well, I it's just interesting right now, to see Bruce, how that like. What well, is Bruce that? Springsteen is not blues. And he's definitely, he's played his harmonica oh, no. his whole life. The boss? Right. He, he the boss. Does. I'm a hey, I, I got to see the boss do the river tour front row. And well, you don't know this about me. So Clarence Clemens played with me for almost 20 years off and on. Get out of here. Yeah. So one so, of my one of my best friends, my, my best friend's Eric Kite, uh, turned me into a uh a Springsteenian or whatever you want to call it years ago. And it was that river tour. I you know, I knew Springsteen obviously, but I was like, Oh yeah, he's cool, whatever. And he was like, Hey man, I bought you a ticket and we went front row. Or sorry, excuse me. He bought me a ticket and he wanted to see if we could get the front row because he had actually been traveling, um, doing following Springsteen on that tour. And, um, or the year before, maybe he followed him on tour and he said, well, let's do the lottery. So we had to go down to American airlines center. It was like three o'clock. The show wasn't until like seven or whatever, whatever. It was like an all day event. And I was, you know, cranky. I was like, all right, man, I just want to get a beer and hang out, whatever. But we ended up in, we went in the lottery and I was the third person to walk into the arena. So I got to see the river to a front row. Oh and, my gosh, and, dude. And then, well, after, and then after I that, I was been- like, I was I was a believer. I was a I was a I was a Bruce Springsteen believer, and I was like, oh my gosh! I was like, you know, it's like it was, and it kind of I mean, truthfully, four hours of just unbelievable, yeah, right? Four hours of just and and uh, so yeah we i can't i don't even know how many times i've seen him so many times but yeah so bruce you know bruce did a solo um act act put and and this is in the early 90s he um you know kind of disbanded the band basically east street was on their own he did a solo thing that's when we met went 
Clarence and Clarence became good friends of ours. My husband and I began and he played in our band for years off and on over the next few years. And then oh, Bruce man. brought the band back. And then every time he was off, he would come, come back and, and play shows with us. So yeah. it was an incredible, beautiful relationship. And actually um, we talked to, we talked to Clarence the morning that he had a stroke. So the morning he had a stroke that oh, night man. and it was really, really a hard, it was very hard on us. And we went to his funeral and it's been a, it's been a very big hole in our life but here's the cool thing about it we've got some incredible memories with them lots of beautiful times yeah. that we had and we're still big 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 bruce springsteen fans because i'll tell you yeah. i've never been to a show that i've seen somebody give like that he does night after night i mean he he freaking just I'm, i've never seen anybody be able to give that much energy yeah. to a show his whole life. It's, yeah, it's no, insane. It's so, and, I, and I grew I, up, you know, and I, I was listening to the radio hits, but until I went to a show, I didn't really appreciate Bruce Springsteen until I actually saw him live. And then after that, I was that's, like, I'm, uh, you know, yeah, mic drop. That's, that's kind of how mine was. I, I was like, yeah, I like the songs, you know, whatever. And then I saw that river tour and I was just like, dear God, there's so much inspiration in this because, you know, then I dug into YouTube videos and saw that. And, you know, um, he had, uh, Jake, you know, Jake was doing the sax, um, on that tour. Jake, yeah. uh, Clarence's Jake's nephew, nephew I believe, right? of Clarence. Um, yep, this is nephew. And, I was uh, there. You know, I was there at the funeral when Jake got up and played his sax that he actually gave Clarence gave, you know, he, well, they, they gave Clarence's sack to Jake. And so how incredible, what a legacy for um, Clarence that his nephew ended up taking that gig. It's just incredible. Well, we're, um, we're going to play Holy Ghost Blues right now because that was the first thing that I listened to of yours and I really dig it. And I love it. I love your style. I, I love your attitude. I, I always, I can already tell you and I have a very similar musical taste. So if you're just not tuning in, you're listening to Texas Homegrown Music with Maylee Thomas and my guest is Silas Nello. He's a Texas dude that just for the, a little season here I don't know what's going on he's out in California we're, we're going to get him back soon we're going to talk about that in the next session but right now we're going to play Holy Ghost Blues with Silas Nello and we'll be right back Yeah. 
Nello and I so I, we've got something in common we're both we're both Bruce fans I, and I'll never forget the first time I went to a, um, a, a show and they started saying Bruce and I was thinking I looked at my husband I was like, they were booing, are they booing him and he goes, yeah I was like are they booing him and he's like no hey it's they're saying Bruce <laughs> it was it was, it was know, pretty that's, cool that's... So I got, I got taught that one quickly. I was like, same thing with my buddy. He was like, is that, I was like, is that boo? He's like, he's like, no, he's like, everybody thinks that he's like, they're saying Bruce. And I was like, but his nickname is the boss. I was like, I guess you can't really say boss. They sound like a bunch of sheep, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. And, and, you know, it's really interesting because a lot of the shows, well, because of our relationship with Clarence, a lot of times we were sitting in an area where a lot of the family and friends were, and it was crazy how many of them go to so many multiple shows. Yeah, I mean, I would turn yeah. around and talk to some people that I'd seen at a show maybe maybe six months before, and they'd be like, oh, yeah, this is our, you know, fifth show this, you know, in the last three months. I'd be like, do you guys work? <laughs> yeah. This is not free. Yeah, right. It's, you know, you got to fly here. You got to get here. I'm like, man, <laughs> he's got some fan, fan wagon, fans, man. right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, so Silas, I, so I heard you, I heard you say something about the church thing. Did you grow up in a, in a church atmosphere? And is that where you got, you cut your teeth? Yeah. So, um, my parents were actually children's ministers in Longview, Texas. Uh, like I said, I grew up in Dangerfield. So I played in the church, you know, the church choir on Sunday mornings. I played in the youth band on Wednesday nights. I played bass. I played guitar. Um, I sang when I was younger. Funny story about that. I actually started out singing. And then when I was in puberty, my voice cracked and I didn't sing again from the time I was, uh, 12, 12 or I, mean, I don't know, 10, 11, whatever, whatever age that is somewhere around there. I didn't sing until I was like in my late teens again. I just played guitar. I was like, I was so embarrassed, mortified. Oh, so, dude. Yeah. Um, but I grew don't up. Don't you yeah, realize I, I what goes, like, goes on? 
Because <laughs> you got a great. I know. I don't really I, dig it. Oh, thank you. That's a, you know? a lot of trial and what, error. What, what I never gave really you the, what gave a you the Well, what gave you the um, confidence to get it back out and sing again? Um, You know, I truthfully, so my first band, I was 16 and I wrote the songs and then I had somebody else sing them. So I'd write the songs and then I would give them to the singer and, you know, we would collaborate, but you know, I, I always, I've been writing songs my entire life. I just really, I truthfully hated my voice when I was younger and I just, I think I got to the point where I, I just realized that I was going to have to do it all myself. You know, I, I definitely considered myself more of a songwriter than a singer when I started out. And then now I, you know, over the years, I definitely stepped more into like, you know, I'm a singer songwriter. And then, you know, I do everything from solo to, you know, six, seven piece band at times. Like it's been, it's always just, it's, it's been a variable and it's changed. And then through all that evolution and stuff, I also definitely, you know, realized that I, I'd always loved performing, but then, you know, being a frontman or whatever, you know, I really started to kind of get into that. And, uh, yeah, it's just, I think it's kind of that constant, you know, evolutionary process of just, you know, realizing that I love music and that's what I meant. I was meant to do. I mean, granted this last year, I haven't, I haven't played, <laughs> I, I have not played a show since Thanksgiving. Actually, when I was back in Dallas, I played a show. Um, I moved to LA in September of last year and I came back in October, November to work in the studio to help produce, um, some music for an artist. And I was back home and I played, I haven't played a gig since then. And I'll have a gig, uh, next Saturday in LA. So it's been an interesting year of writing and not really performing at all. So I, I'd, I'd be, uh, I'd be lying if I said I didn't miss it terribly. And it's something that, you know, it's like, I know, you know, all my musician friends that had to take some time off from it. I know it was, it was hard, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. It's the whole, you know, it's the whole shebang. It's the whole package singing songwriting. It's like, I think at some point you just, I mean, you're a performer as well. You know, you're a writer, you just kind of like lean into it. And when you lean into it, you figure out like, you know, all the things that, you know, you love. So, well, I thought you were going to tell me you wrote these songs and you gave them to someone else. And then you heard the way they were doing them. It wasn't the way you heard them in your head. And you felt like, Oh, I really want to do that myself. Cause that's, that's not the way I hear it. And, um, you know, that, so that's, a, that's the difference between some singers and songwriters. Cause I know there's tons of people out there and I've had them on my show uh, that feel like they're more of a songwriter and that they just want to put mm-hmm. the song out and let somebody else kind of make it their own. But I don't know. I, a lot of times it's kind of like I, I made the baby. I kind of want to watch it grow, you know? <laughs> so I want to be yeah, the first one to yeah. put it out there. And then anybody else can, that, you know, wants to cover it and, and do it in a different way. Great. But here, this is the way I heard it. This is the way I want it sung. And then from there, take yeah. it to however you want. Yeah, no, I, I think that I thought I wanted to be a, you know, just a songwriter. And then eventually I gained, you know, like the, you know, the, 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 you know, uh, the, uh, I guess, I don't know, the will to sing and do all that and stuff. And then I kind of, once I said, like, I just leaned into it and then I was like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So I just spent so long just being a guitar player for other people. You know, I was like, I was a guitar player and I wrote songs and so I really leaned into it, but yeah, I, I definitely. So have, you, you know, played in a lot of other bands hear, where you were just the, you were, you were the hired gun kind of. 
Yeah. When I was younger, that's mostly what I did. Or I had bands that I was in that I just, I was just a guitar player. And so, yeah, that's kind of the thing. And then I, I just was like, man, I want to really want to write my own songs. You know, I would help, you know, the arrangement and composition and stuff. So I got to the point, I was just like, I wanted to write my own songs, but I hated my voice for years. (laughs) And I kind of was like, well, you need to embrace your voice. who I am. So yeah, I mean, you're, we're, we're talking about like mm. a decade ago, you know, so when I, when I finally leaned okay. into embracing, yeah. um, you know, I, I kind of leaned into that on my first couple of EPs and records and, um, you know, uh, Jeff Signs, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with his story, uh, the owner of Modern Electric uh, down in yeah. Dallas, um, he was, so I'm sure if, you know, people that aren't listening, Jeff suffered a horrible freak accident recently, he was electrocuted, um, had to have both of his arms amputated. There's been a massive amount of um, support going out for him, events being thrown. Um, so if anybody that's actually, you know, for people that are listening to this, that stuff is still going on. He is a fantastic producer and engineer. He uh, he gave me my first shot down there for my first full length. That's the one that Jenna Clark did the uh, backup vocals on. Okay. And so right. um, well, it was 2016, 2017, but, you know, he uh, – he was, this whole thing comes full circle. He was the one who really pushed me into finding my own voice in the studio. Um, and so, you know, I think you talk about like, you know, leaning into it and finding that stuff. It's like, we, we all meet these other artists along the way, or these other musicians that I think a lot of us have that, you know, turning point where it's like, despite what we all like to say, I think we all have, you know, everyone's got those insecurities and like the beginning stages of like seeing, you know, singing and things like that and sharing that vulnerable part. And like, you know, I think that's just something for me that like, I, I was always kind of like, oh, I don't know, like I'm a guitar player and did this, but you know, I, I was lucky and fortunate enough to really like roll into a you know, a cool group of people that like pushed me, you know, Jenna, uh, Jeff, you know, Brian, first like, people that got me in the studios, Robert Cody Maxwell, who became my guitar player, who's, who's in New York now. Like I just was super fortunate to like get with all these people that encouraged me, you know, and were like, you know, I was, I guess, to be honest, I was pretty shy, you know, even into my mid twenties. <laughs> it's kind of funny looking back now. Cause I'm like, Oh, it's like, I guess I don't really think that, but I guess I was. So um, but yeah, well, you know, everybody's looking journey, for right? a little bit of, af- yeah, everybody, I mean, especially artists, as we know, creative artists, most of us are looking for affirmation somewhere. And, um, you know, some of us only get it when we're on stage and we feel, uh, like we've connected with the audience. A lot of times, um, we'll get it from other band members. I actually was lucky and got a lot of my affirmation from my husband who I had hired to be my guitar player who I laugh when you said that about, I was just the guitar player because the big joke in our family, because we own the guitar sanctuary, right? We're completely obsessed with guitar players constantly coming in. And the big joke is, well, she's just a singer. It's just to, you know, it's the lyrics are just to get, just filler to get to the guitar solo. (laughs) Oh yeah. That's, you know, that's, that's my biggest complaint about the, uh, the current state of the, not enough guitar solos in the music, in the current music industry. Not, there needs to be more guitar solos. We need to bring them back. Uh, yeah, well, you and my husband would get along really, really well. Well, you know, unfortunately, we've got this thing about, what, three minutes, three and a half minutes, four minutes. you got to have your song within three and a half to four and a half minutes to get radio airplay. That's just such BS because um, the reality is 
a, a lot of the songs and the anthems that we all love and grew up on, they're not three minutes long. And um, and no, we know that all. if you if you got somebody's attention and you love you love something, it's you can you, you know you can you can certainly last a lot longer than that. Listen, those first early songs from the '60s, you know Chuck Berry or '50s '60s, all that time. You know there was plenty of guitar going on in that, and those songs are two and a half minutes long. So we got it. We just got to learn how to squeeze it all back in, right? You just got to find um, find the niche, right, and uh, and decide what it is that yeah. you're trying to say here. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, you, there's no formula, and I know there's a lot of people out there. And, and this is something I think we it would be really good to hit on for people, especially if you're listening to the show and you're thinking, well, what is it? You know, how do you know if you're a singer songwriter? How do you know if you have what it takes? Here's the deal: there's no formula for it, and and maybe people out there might try to make you think that there's a formula for it, but there's really not. There's no formula for making a hit song. The reality is, um, everybody finds it in a different way, and uh, you know, I, I can tell you that for me, there's times where I get a hook in my head, and I just, I, you know, I got to go to the piano or whatever and, and and find it, and I'll write to that hook, and then there's a lot of times I'll come up with a line that I go, oh my gosh, I need, I want to write a song around that. So there's just no, there's no one way to make a song work. You just got to make it, make it authentic to whatever it was that drove you to wrote it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I have some, you know, that's like a thing a lot of people like to ask. They say like, well, how do you write songs? And it's like, man, it's like, uh, I've, I mean, I've done it so many different ways. Like I've, I've written a lyric first or, you know, I've written a melody first or I've, you know, written a chord progression, you know, just the whole thing. Like, you know, and it's just, it's, or I've literally written things simultaneously where like the melody and the music will come like as I'm writing it together. And it's like, there's no, you know, there's no rhythm or rhyme. There's, there's no way to ever tell that thing. You just got to jump into the creativity when it hits you. And I don't know, like I said, I feel like anything artistically is like, the answer is always just lean into it, you know, lean into it and you'll figure out if it's, if it's where you're supposed to go, you know? Yep. Absolutely. Kudos for you. Well, we're going to play that song that I actually investigated on you with called Tell Me What I Need with Jenna Clark. So if you're just listening to Texas Homegrown Music, I've got Silas Nello, a Texas guy that uh, that he's out in California right now, but that doesn't matter. He's a Texas born dude and we're not going to ever let him let him leave that. So we're going to play Tell Me What I Need and we'll be back to talk about a new release that he just released in this last month called Highway 380, which happens to be just literally not even a mile from where I'm at right now. So uh, we'll be right back with Texas Homegrown Music with Maylee Thomas and my guest Silas Nello. And here you go. Tell me what I need.
So we're back with Texas Homegrown Music here and my guest Silas Nello. And dude, I got to know when you're going to be back in Dallas because I want to come to a show for sure and, and, and work it out. Maybe we'll get you over to the, the Guitar Sanctuary sometime. But I, I thought it was so interesting. I just looked up your stuff. You have a new release out called Highway 380 Dilemma. And obviously that totally spoke to me because I literally live not even a half a mile from Highway 380. And I've got some personal experience with knowing what a pain in the butt that freaking highway is. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to know what your Highway 380 Dilemma was right here in McKinney, Texas. Yeah, so that is a mostly true story with you know i won't i won't completely give it away there might be a few embellishments in there there might be a few embellishments we'll just we'll just say there might be that's because, okay you know. we're allowed we're allowed to flower it up a little bit just to make it more interesting <laughs> but you know how creator, you know how these movies writing? are when they say based yeah it's creative writing it's yeah. like every movie that's okay, out there so, is based on a true story so it's based on a true so story this is so based, let's hear it. yeah this is based on a true story so all right so when i was 19 years old i lived in princeton for a hot minute off of 380 and so i drove up and down from princeton to mckinney i worked in mckinney at the jimmy johns off 380 so I'd always okay. had like, you know, a mild distaste for 380 just because of traffic, right? And all that. But um, a few years back, right before I kicked off my first Silas Nello EP, uh, I was playing in a band called the Magnolia Boys. The Magnolia Boys okay. had, uh, a, I, I met these guys. Um, the band is no longer, the band was very up and down quick, but there was a, there was a guy in it that uh, I knew named Joey Todd. Uh, there was a drummer named Will Beauchart and there was another guy playing, um, playing in the band as well, playing guitar. And they all, they all sang sans will. And his name was John Earl Maynard. And basically I kind of stepped into this band as a bass player, which I hadn't played in a long time, but I was like, whatever they, you know, like I, I just wanted to get back into playing music again. And yeah, we were rehearsing in Denton and that's, uh, it was actually, I believe it was John's. Yeah. It's where John lived, John and Haley, uh, John and Haley lived out there. There was a rehears- rehearsal space. This has been years ago. Sorry. The, the memories are a little fuzzy, but, um, it's all right. Long story short is, as I was hauling out to, I was hauling out to Denton to go play to rehearse on a Sunday. And I had a 1992 Toyota Camry station wagon. My old guitar player, Eric, a big Springsteen fan who's in Austin. Now he was in town visiting and we go, we rehearse, you know, four or five hours, whatever it is. We're driving back. It's nighttime. And we are in between Denton and McKinney, like whatever, you know, that stretch where there's nothing, right? There's just nothing, right? There's not. Oh yeah. I know it well. Okay. Okay. Well, it's so actually that's changing. You haven't been yeah. out here in a while, but it's changing. Yeah. Okay. Well, this was like, I guess this was probably five, six years ago, but we're driving. And, yeah. It was um, desolate then. My, my 1992 Toyota Camry station wagon, which that's the opening line to the song, drive a 92 wagon. It starts smoking from the front, big billowing smoke. And Eric is driving. <laughs> I had a few drinks. I was not in a position to be driving. We had a car full of gear. And Eric says, you know, like that, whatever the color, I can't even remember the color of that smoke. That means, that means like 
fire and then we were like oh no what it is uh, oh my god (laughs) we pull the car over there's this massive hill huge huge hill and we start throwing gear out of the car and when i say throwing it i mean you know it's in hard shell cases we're chunking it you know like 15 feet away from the car no way grabbing it and like moving it away yeah and you know just everything because the car is just i mean it's billowing smoke out and it's getting ready like we had oh my gosh yeah. And we're like, Oh God, this is it. So we get out, we had, uh, we had a bag that had two Sam Adams, Boston loggers that had been sitting in the car all day. So they were like, yes, this was summertime. Ooh. So it was like, you know, these were hundred, hundred degrees. He, you know, we grab all the stuff. We run to the top of the hill and we just, we get up there and we're watching the car and we, we like, we're trying to figure out what to do. So we, <laughs> so it's, it's like we're going down memory lane here. Both of our phones, this is like, it's something out of a movie. Both of our phones, we pull them out. His is on 2%. Mine is on 3%. Cause we'd been out all day. Of course. And we're like, Oh, we're going to call it. What, how are we going to get home? Like we're in the middle of nowhere. Well, long story short, the car doesn't blow up. Um, I guess it was the radiator that busted or something. I can't even remember, but we called it. We were able to call a tow truck, but we couldn't tell them we were where we were at. So we had to stay out on the side of the road, waving our arms for them while we sat there and we drank these hundred degree Sam Adams Boston lagers that were just, I mean, you know, <laughs> just the hottest beers that I've ever had. And it was just a total moment where it was like, you, I, we sat there and I was like, this couldn't get any worse. Like this couldn't get any worse. Like this is what, what an end to a day. So the tow truck gets there and they go, all right, well, you guys want to ride back with us? And we say, yeah, And <laughs> there's one seat. That's it. Tiny little seat. And so I had to sit on top of my buddy Eric's lap on the entire ride back to Plano <laughs> where to the auto shop. And it's just like, we're sitting there and like, we were, we were roommates in our early twenties. And this is a few years later. We're just sitting there looking at each other. And I'm just like, dude, I love you. And this is, I was like, I'm going to write a song about I, I, this. This is the closest so. we've ever been. right? <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, that's, that's where the, that's where the story was born. And a um, little back story on the thing. Uh, since you like Springsteen, that song came about because I was working while I was recording my first full length out of the light. It was, was a full band record um, at modern Electric with chef signs. I was working also on a batch of songs that I wanted to be a stripped down Nebraska style record, like Springsteen's Nebraska, very just like right. stripped down. And I wanted to involve a very working class theme. So I basically took some of the thematic elements in that song. My fingers the bone, but I ain't got nothing to show.
So that was Velvet Dose and the song Lonesome. And yes, that's the project that Silas Nello was talking about that he did with Taylor Ray. They have a couple of singles out. And that one I just played is actually on a Netflix release called Last Letter from Your Lover. So we're at the close of the show, and I hope you guys enjoyed getting to know Silas. I know I did, and I'm looking forward to seeing him play live. I always love to see musicians play live. So you guys be sure to get out there and support these shows, especially now that things are opening up. Be safe. I know that um, there's a lot of talk out there about this um, freaking band, you know, uh, second variant coming out and and we're not out of the woods completely yet. But I just hope that everybody out there will get vaccinated and, and let's make it safe for every one of us together and let's do music together. And I want to see your faces as often as I can. So let's be sure to do what we can to make it safe for everybody. Be sure to love life. You get out of it what you put into it. Peace out, everybody. And we'll see you next week with Texas Homegrown Music. I want to give a shout out to the Guitar Sanctuary and Tupps Brewery for making this show possible. And all of you listeners for coming back every week for Texas Artists. We'll see you soon. She walks in Eyes to the floor Doesn't utter a word Turn